The Guardian. In 1973, a man named Ernst Friedrich Schumacher published a book, a collection of essays called Small is Beautiful. The book is jam-packed with ideas about the economy, human relationships, work, and the environment. He was a great interdisciplinary thinker. He had an active and precocious curiosity about the world. And it's one of the great ironies that the title which gave it so much success, Small is Beautiful, was actually forced onto Schumacher um, against his will. Writer Andrew Sims of the New Economics Forum says Schumacher didn't want to call his book Small is Beautiful because he was concerned that his philosophy would be reduced to a meaningless catchphrase. He was never saying that um, everything should be small. He poses the question that if we were explicitly organizing the economy to create the most convivial ways of living for people, what would it look like? What should be the purpose of the economy? It's there in the subtitle for the book, Economics as if people mattered. Schumacher's primary concern wasn't smallness, but scale. He had an analysis that one of our great failings in terms of thinking about economics and the organisation of economic life was a failure to address the question of scale and appropriateness of scale. So the great thing about Small is Beautiful is that it does give you this lens. And when you look through that lens of scale, you see a vision of a more convivial economy that is much more rooted in the real world than the world of business as we've come to see it over the last 20 or 30 years. When we look through Schumacher's lens, Sim says, we can clearly see the problems with the dominant economic idea of our time, growth there's been this sort of consolidation around one narrow economic theory, which is so completely centred on the inevitability and the logic of economic growth that it seems to have driven out all other things. And there is something very strange and something very weird in the way in which economics has come to take growth for granted and to depend upon it. And what we forget, of course, is that It's a very bizarre man-made thing, because if you look around in the natural world, I mean, yes, you have growth, but then it tends to level out. And one of the great examples that um, we've thrown out, just as a, shall we say, um, very graphic illustration, is if you take a sort of a a, a small animal like like a hamster, which doubles its weight each week from birth up to the age of about six or seven weeks, but but then stops and asks the question, what would happen if it didn't stop? Well, we did a little bit of number crunching and came to the conclusion that on its first birthday, you'd have a nine billion ton hamster that in a single day would eat the entire corn production of the world for a year. Schumacher was certain that the notion of economic growth was an extremely dangerous idea. In 1973, he predicted that our obsession with big would lead to the destruction of nature's equilibrium. He wants us to heed something he called the wisdom of smallness. There's a wonderful short passage in the book, actually, um, in which he tries to put into context his thinking about big versus small. And what he says is, and this is taken straight from his words, there is a wisdom in smallness, if only on account of the smallness and patchiness of human knowledge, which relies on experiment far more than on understanding. The greatest danger, he writes, invariably arises from the ruthless application on a vast 
scale of partial knowledge, such as we're currently witnessing in the application of nuclear energy, of the new chemistry in agriculture, of transportation technology, and countless other things. It's this idea that, um, you know, at, at, the, at the small scale, even when things go wrong, they can be relatively inoffensive. So, you know, if a firework goes off badly, that's one thing. Um, if a cruise missile or a cluster bomb goes off badly, that's another. And I think that's one of the things, is this idea that um, if you like the economy and how we live on the planet, is an ongoing experiment with emergent consequences. And if you gamble everything, um, and one might say that the, the economics of growth at all costs um, is kind of a roll of the dice that people hope that we will be able to hold everything together. They hope that we will come up with techno fixes to mend the environment when we push beyond environmental thresholds. And it's one great big experiment. And I think one of Schumacher's great insights is to say that that's an incredibly dangerous thing to do. If a business goes bankrupt, you can set up elsewhere. If the biosphere, if the ecosystems upon which you depend um, are bankrupted through over-exploitation, well, there might be no coming back from that. He saw a number of things really, really clearly, and the tragedy is that 40 years later, we are still no nearer solving them. In fact, many, many respects were even further. The Guardian's Madeleine Bunting recently spent some time looking at our world through Schumacher's lens. And what's striking, she told me, is not that we are now totally obsessed with the idea of economic growth, just as Schumacher prophesied, but rather how we've come to live as if there's no alternative. We've heard loads for 15 years, there is no alternative. Tina, there is no alternative. And the result is that the economic problems are so acute because our political institutions have never really kind of understood the uh, scale that Schumacher talked about. Perhaps Schumacher should have put up a better fight with his publisher about that title, because Bunting sees evidence that consumer capitalism actually did turn it into a meaningless catchphrase. In consumer culture, the idea of small is beautiful has been taken up by the marketeers. It got hijacked. I mean, you can pick a whole number of radical uh, enterprises that emerged in the 70s and 80s that were picking up on Schumacher's ideas, and the body shop is an obvious example, but Ben and Jerry's ice cream would be another one, where they wanted a, a scale of enterprise which put people and their relationship with the environment back into centre stage. And of course, where are all these brands now? They've been bought over, bought up by the corporations. Bunting says Schumacher's ideas about the workplace and our need for more meaningful relationships of scale also were hijacked by managerial theorists. Management theorists kind of clocked what Schumacher was getting at, which is that if you want to motivate really exceptional levels of effort, you have to create small units of organization. And that's how, in the course of the 70s, you know, Schumacher's idea was fed into the way in which management theory developed to engineer the kind of manic lifestyles of your, your kind of professional elite. They all work crazy hours. But while managers and marketers may have made off with Schumacher's title, his critique of economic growth has retained its radical power. And according to Bunting, it can also free us from the deadly trap we've constructed for ourselves. What he is saying is that gigantism, that's this word he coined, 
degrades and dehumanizes people. And what I keep being struck by in the book is that this is really a passionate philosophical tract as much as it's about economics or the uh, the environment. It's absolutely rooted in an understanding of human nature. One of the main things he says is a growth in, in the economy does not actually end up making people happier. You know, if, you're, if you have loads of kind of consumer durables, etc., it, it's not actually going to make you happy. Materialism is, you know, is just going to take us on a hiding to nowhere. The trap we've got ourselves into is that people have to spend, they have to consume if the economy is going to get going again. So it's that awful, awful paradox which we saw after uh, 9-11 and we saw it in the UK, which is it's become a sort of civic duty to shop. Well, you know, that there we really are trapped. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. Over the last decade, the global economy has taken a number of hits. Terrorism, recession, war. And on many occasions, our leaders have, as Madeleine Bunting noted, pushed us to go shopping. But after the attacks in 9-11, when George Bush made an appeal to Americans to do some patriotic spending, photographer Brian Ulrich couldn't believe his ears. And at first, there's this moment of like, did I really hear that? Like, that actually, that is just like the most unsustainable way to approach any problem. Ulrich spent eight years traveling around the United States with his camera, documenting America's attempt to shop its way out of the problem. In his new book, Is This Place Great or What?, Ulrich presents us with photographs of patriotic retail displays, alienated shoppers, and dead malls. The retail industry actually refers to a lot of these spaces as dark stores or ghost boxes or dead malls. And I thought, like, wonderfully (laughs) cryptic and ironic that they would choose these death terms. In a way, it's as if Ulrich is using Schumacher's lens in his work because his photographs expose the flawed logic of economic growth. I've been to some malls that were absolutely phenomenally designed. The the interiors are, like, really wonderful, and they're completely empty just because they kept expanding the space. Because really the equation was, like, the more retail space, the more money. The problem with that, though, is the expectation is that the store's profits will always increase. Every year, it must get better. I happened upon Ulrich's book as I was rereading Schumacher, and so his images of empty, deserted shopping malls came to perfectly illustrate for me the folly of believing in something like never-ending growth. But what Schumacher really wants us to understand in Small is Beautiful is that this folly will only lead to our extinction. In 2009, as Brian Ulrich was working on his project, one of America's largest big-box retail chains, Circuit City, went bankrupt. Ulrich photographed a number of them for his book, and stripped of their signage and color, he shows us what was there all along. It's almost as it's like trying to pretend that it never was the thing that it is, which is so obvious, a tombstone. You can read articles by Madeline Bunting and Andrew Sims and view a slideshow of Brian Ulrich's photographs on the Big Ideas page at guardian.co.uk. My name is Benjamin Walker.
For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.